Welcome to Staffing Stories, hosted by Andy Moss. Andy has been in the staffing industry for over 25 years, first as a recruiter, then eventually an account manager and business owner. This is the podcast where we sit down with fellow staffing owners to get the real stories of the successes, the failures, and the lessons learned along the way. Welcome back to Staffing Stories. I'm your host, Andy Moss, and I'm excited about our guest today. Um, we're kicking off 2023 with a bang with the guests we've had over the last couple of weeks. And Casey Jaycox was introduced to me. He is a coach, author, speaker, all around good dude. Is that the best way to introduce you? Sure. Love it. But uh, I'm glad to have him. And, and Casey comes from the staffing and recruiting industry and is um kind of spun out a, a different direction that I was very interested in. And um, I just would love him to introduce himself and let's just jump right into it. Cool. Well, Andy, thank you for, thank you for having me, uh, invite me as a guest. It's going to be an honor to speak to you, but um, yeah, hard to believe 20, I spent 20 years in staffing at K-Force <laughs> and Hall Kenyon. K-Force bought Hall Kenyon in June of 2004. And uh, the time wasn't sure I was going to stay at K-Force. I had a chance to go work for a small little company out here in Seattle called Microsoft, and I decided not to. And it was an awesome decision. K-Force was a great company, amazing people, so many great uh, experiences. And uh, and now i am found this entrepreneurial world I'm in that I did not anticipate finding myself in. But um, it's so rewarding. It's so fun. And it really helps me lean in, lean in on my uh, curiosity, which I, I try to help my clients use as a superpower. Well, um, I also follow your podcast, so tell me a little bit about that. And then I want to kind of go backwards and start with the, your life and staffing and then move into what you're doing now. Sure. Yeah. The podcast, um, came to me as a kind of more of a, a metaphor. So whenever I mentioned I played quarterback in college, I got to give love to Uncle Rico and people don't know who Uncle Rico is great character in Napoleon dynamite, but, yeah. uh, I, I wanted to do something for dads. And so then I thought like, you know, quarterback can be leader of the home, um, a quarterback or, you know, a, quarter, a, a dad's a leader, quarterback, whatever it is. So I decided what a great plan of words. So I called it the quarterback dad cast and we're entering season four and it's, uh, I interviewed dads to get them to tell their story. I learned about how they were raised, how the parents impacted them, uh, get them to talk about um, areas of their dad game where they know they are not perfect because we all yep. are flawed dads. And it, it turns out to be, you know, 45 minutes to an hour long conversation of, uh, a lot of vulnerability on both mm -hmm. sides. And what I did not realize when I started my coaching business post the book was that the, the podcast would play into like helping my clients. And so Absolutely. like, for example, you, it's, it's been fun interviewing dads who are executives at companies to then I'll get them to tell stories. Maybe they didn't, um, didn't plan on telling. Yep. And, and then the, the, the employees get to see a side of them that did, they didn't anticipate knowing, and it brings actually a better connection in, inside of these organizations. So that's been really fun. And that's, you know, and that's the, and I, I really, I'm following yours and I learned how you ask questions and stuff. And I'm, I'm very excited to be able to flip it over on you and ask you questions. Cause that's the lean I'm trying to figure out is like, what drives these executives you know, I want my podcast to help find some nuggets in it. So mm -hmm. let's, let's go back a little bit. And how did you get into this, um, 
the staffing world. You're like me. You've, you know, obviously lost a couple of follicles over the years because of it. So I'm sure there's some good and bad we can um, kind of discuss. Yeah. So like you know how I got into staffing? Question. Yeah. Like, did you yeah. come out of college into it or someone recruit you in or? Yeah. So I, I was working for a company called Barcodes West. It was a labeling company. I called them stickers and they, yeah. my boss like, no, they're labels. I'm like, no, they're stickers, which I was a 22 year old, 23 year old, you know, seller pounding the phone, uh, made tons of phone calls a day. And, and, but yet no one could really explain to me the commission plan. I feel like you had to take pi times square root of six yeah. multiply by, you know, the length of, I'm like, what do you, no one could explain to me. And I knew I was selling stuff. I just couldn't get it to, and I remember going to my first boss and I said, Hey, I, you know, he goes, what are your goals as you enter your second year? I said, well, I want to double my salary and I want to be in front of the customer. And his response was, Casey, those are way too aggressive goals for someone your age. Let me know. Let's rethink those. And right then I knew it was not the right spot yeah. for me. Fast forward to a friend, uh, I guess rewind to a, a buddy named Kelly Hansen, who's still at K-Force today. He, he kept telling me, he's like, I think you'd be good at this. And I'm like, what is it? You know, like there's contractors and staffing. And I'm like, I don't understand what the hell you're talking about. It didn't even make sense. And yeah. then I interviewed nine times later and they, and they, they told me at Hall Kenyon, they're like, ah, I don't know if you're the right fit. And, and then I all of a sudden my competitive genes took over. I'm like, no, I, I can do this. I don't know what it is, but I know I can do it. And they offered me a contract sales job. Uh, yes, you heard that right. An hourly contract sales job with benefits. So I left a full-time company, which was so dumb as I look back now, like, I, I mean, it, like who, who, take, who hires a contract salesperson? I could have been canned immediately. And, uh, you know, shout out to Lisa Crawford and Angela Ronica. They gave me a chance and, uh, they said, Hey, you'd probably take about six months before we decide if you're a full-time employee. And three months later I was converted and, um, I came in hungry. I came in competitive. I came in you know, ready to just super green, super hungry to learn and, but ready to compete. And, um, that's hard to believe that was a long time ago, but I can still remember, like, I remember, I mean, you, I know you're old enough to understand this too, like the, the classifieds, some of our, yeah. I don't know if our audience knows yeah, those are. Where, yeah. That, Sundays, I would look at classified ads every Sunday for two hours and highlight which companies are hiring. And then I would figure out ways to call and introduce myself them the following week. Um, and I, I remember doing that like daily and I, you, sure, it, it was the easy way to do it, but for some, but. It, it was leads and it allowed me to kind of get hungry and, and I was, a, I, I would do, do a classifies, but I only got Sunday paper and that's where all the classifies were. So oh, I yeah. was literally, that was, you know, being in the twenties and getting the paper that, you know, that's just part of it. But so fast forward, you, you're in staffing and recruiting, you've worked your way up. Um, you're an athlete. Where did this industry has been? It's just chock full of athletes, and I love the mentality of it. What do you like about that? Like, what I mean, where where do you see the athlete in this, and why is it so prevalent? I think I, I think the adversity you go through in sports is what I lean on. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the stories I love telling was something happened to me as a um, junior in high school. Right, I take the back, a senior in high school, my junior year, right before my senior year. I was, I played quarterback in high school and was getting teased by, uh, some division one schools. And, uh, I would, you know, I was in this intense quarterback battle with another kid, beat him out my junior year. Now, now he's switching positions. Um, we're getting ready for an amazing senior season and 
you know, and we had these things in Seattle called a jamboree, which is like a practice game, set yeah. of practice games against other teams. And we're, we're throwing the ball over the yard. We're, we're feeling good. Well, the last play of the jamboree, I get put back in and I would break my foot in four spots and not play my entire senior year. The gentleman mm -hmm. I beat out my junior year. Now he's thrust in to go play quarterback. The world moves on just like yeah. an account moves on. Uh, hey, we're going to hire 10 people. We're going to we'll get rid of 10 people. The ups and downs of the industry, the moment of that experience, which would be one of the hardest times I've ever been through my entire life, yet the best thing, Andy, that ever happened to me because I had to watch the gentleman that had to go play quarterback now. He would take us to the state playoffs first time in 20 years. He uh, broke our single season passing yardage record first time in 20 years and was named second team all-league quarterback, and I had to watch. Now, I was a captain not acting like it. I was thinking bad thoughts. I hope he sucked. I wanted him to play bad because it was, it was about me. Yeah. And I was being selfish. Just like when you think about staffing, when you're, maybe you're having an off quarter, are you happy for your teammates? Cause they're closing business. Or are you wishing they would do bad? Yeah. So all these left life lessons I learned through this journey. Um, and also I learned about the power of, of vulnerability and asking for help because three games into that season, I went to my high school football coach, Marty Osborne and said, coach, I'm, a captain, I'm not acting like it. Uh, I'm I'm thinking bad thoughts for the team because I'm I feel sorry for myself and I wish I'm just embarrassed by my behavior and I need help. I got to figure out something out. And he's like, "Man, I'm so proud of you." I'm like, "Did you just hear what I said? Like, how could you be <laughs> proud of that behavior?" He goes, "Because you're asking for help." Um, he goes, "I know exactly what we're gonna do." I'm like, "What?" I kind of had like a you know piss poor attitude. He's like, "You're gonna become my offensive coordinator. You're gonna go up in the booth and help me call plays." I'm like what he's like jay cox you know this offense better than i do get up you're gonna go up there you're gonna be our quarterback coach offensive coordinator i can't wait and when he said it Andy, he was like a vacuum sucked all the energy out of me and i was ready to go and i had all of a sudden clarity purpose i was belonging to a team i mean all things that we as leaders need to be thinking about you know whether it's a quarterback you know as i think about the quarterback recruiter relationship well a quarterback can't throw the ball to myself Quarterback yeah. can't block for myself. I need my linemen. I need receivers running routes. Just like I need recruiters finding talent. I need leaders, you know, leading. I need ops people clearing obstacles. I need AP making sure AR making sure invoices are paid on time. Yeah. All these things. So that the quarterback mentality, maybe long with an answer all tied up together, it completely shaped who I am and completely prepared me for, you know, an industry that's difficult because yeah. there's only thing we have control over is really our attitude and our effort. We don't control people. But our industry is also an industry where we have we hire great talent, but sometimes that talent may be in the wrong seat of the bus. And as a coach, we have to identify he or she maybe has lost their pizzazz. They need to make a change or another young talent is coming up. I know um, some sales reps that have been in a territory for a long like, oh, we can't get in that. Just putting a new face in front of them can change everything, but you got to grab that person has been there for a while and say, Hey, I need you to do this. Take mm -hmm. on missions. I call it in my business is I need, you got a new mission. This is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, but it's tough as owner to, to be able to recognize it. One B switch it and not be afraid to do it. Yeah. I, and I, as you said that you made me think of, I think as leaders, when leaders can really embrace curiosity Yeah, and uh, I call this as a kind of sarcasm, but I mean it wholeheartedly to not have smartest in the room syndrome. So sometimes yeah. we like to tell, 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 tell. And whether it's, hey, I need 
or, or before we make that decision to get him in the wrong right territory or wrong territory, whatever it may be. Yeah. Have we got leaned in on curiosity and used like questions to kind of find, cause sometimes people are just stuck in their own way without even knowing yeah, it. Absolutely. And the hump, you gotta be humble. Like, um, we get real possessive. That's mine. That's mine. And it's, it's ours. First of all, you're just, so let's, let's correct that. But then say, you know, let's, you need to move forward over here um, and not get just fixated on, okay, I am just a sales rep or I'm just a recruiter or I'm a division manager. Um, I love pushing people and out of their comfort zone. As soon as you get in your comfort zone, you don't move forward. And so I, that that's just me. And I'm, you know, that's the athlete in me. And I think that's why they do so well in this business because you have to understand failure and winning, but you, you have to be able to produce and just, you know, make it happen one way or the other. You got to move the ball. Yeah. That I, I, spoke to me, Andy. I, I, um, I have a phrase or a mantra I, I talk to my clients about. I say, you either can be comfortable on the sidelines or uncomfortable in the game. Yep. And <laughs> amen on that. You know, it's, it's hard. You're going to make up, make mistakes where you're going to have good days, but I, you know, get back in the huddle. You make a bad play, get back in the huddle. What are you so going to do? Took a, so you took a leap of faith coming out of, um, the staffing world and got into the, I guess, coaching, mentoring and speaking and being an author. Um, how'd that happen? I didn't mean to do this, the speaking and coaching part kind of tongue in cheek. <laughs> Um, so I, I, I was right guy, wrong, like right guy, right time, right place. I was, you know, I, I had a, a nice run at K Forest as our number one rep nationally for 10 years before I moved into an executive role. And then something inside me was just like, wasn't sure what was next and yeah. left, left on great terms. And I knew I wanted to write a book called win the relationship, not the deal. And I knew I wanted to start the podcast, which you asked about earlier. And then I, I started getting people asking me if I coach and my first response was, yeah, my, my kids. Yeah. And. I was hung up because I wasn't quote unquote certified. I didn't have a certification. And I, I ended up meeting a great guy in Toronto during my kind of, I would say my networking year in 2021. And I asked him for advice and I said, you know, what do you think I should do? I keep getting these people asking me if I coach, but I, I'm not certified. He's like, he looks down he goes, can I be honest with you? I said, sure. And he's like, no, nah, case I'm going to be really, really honest with you. You might not like it. I said, no, I can take it. I've been in boardrooms. I've been in big yeah. deals, bad deals, all this stuff. He goes, great. I want you to get out of my bleep and bleep face and stop wasting my bleep and bleep time. He, and he holds up my book. He says, literally goes like this. He's like, that's your certification. You wrote a book about it. Go. And it was the best gift effort. I remember I called him back the person that ironically or serendipitously introduced us. Uh, shout out to Leslie at Clear Edge. Yeah. Leslie said, I called her back and said, Les, I'm looking for a coach. I, she, I go, yeah, I go, are you still looking for a coach? And she said, yeah, I go, well, I think I found him. Can I tell you about him? And I described myself in third person. She's like, oh my God, who is it? I said, it's me. When do I start? She's like, what? I go, and I just literally said, just please bet on me. Give me a chance. I, I, I think I can do this. Yeah. And um, shout out to her. Um, that's what really started the first domino. And since then, um, every client I've worked with has been through personal referral, either former executives I've worked with or referrals or referrals of people. And um, it is so fun because the, the the coaching I do, I'm actually helping people. Um, they're coaching themselves. Yep. My my job is to I ask I focus on asking really good questions. I make them think. I push them outside their comfort zone, like to what you talked about earlier, mm -hmm. and I just help remind them things they told me were important to them themselves. So when you talk to um, these executives, 
some people just don't think they need a coach. And I am one of those that you always need somebody pushing you and either an individual, a group. Um, I'm part of C12. It's kind of a, it's a, kind of a leadership group that's in ownership and things like that. But I, I believe in it wholeheartedly. But what do you tell um, an executive if they don't have a coach? Why? Well, I just hired my first coach if that helps answer your question too, because, and I love telling people that specifically the people I'm coaching. Cause like, listen, coach has a coach. So yeah. we all can be coached. I totally agree with what you said. Um, sometimes like hiring a coach is to hire a coach. Sometimes I don't, but I think if you can start with self-awareness and understand because we, we all got strengths and weaknesses, we all are flawed humans. Something is not great. So if that's important to you and you think like that skill can make you a better leader for the company, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Growth is an addicting thing. I don't care who you are. Uh, once you grow and go through something tough and get better, get through it, it's an amazing feeling. Just like the days we don't want to work out, we go work out. Um, that you set a goal, you go achieve it, boom. You go. And so I, I think coaching is super important. Um, again, this is an industry I didn't anticipate getting into. Yeah. But when you have stories uh, of real world experience that you're not mm -hmm. making this up, um, I believe it's it's super impactful because we all complacency could be a silent killer without knowing yep. you're getting complacent. We all struggle too. I mean, mm -hmm. we all struggle. I mean, there's not anybody out there that's just it's rainbows and clouds every day. Right. We all got and, gaps. Uh, yeah, and and we all get better, and that's being humble and being able to, um, you know, Peyton Manning, great quarterback, but he still has a quarterback coach when he was playing. I mean, he could throw the ball a little bit better. He can scramble a little bit better. His footwork could be better. And I think we all could focus on that. So when you, um, family is extremely important mm -hmm. to yourself. And mm -hmm. I, I love the podcast, Popping Dads and being a leader in your family. And I, I was told, you know, a story early on in my career that from a gentleman that has was on his third marriage mm -hmm. and he'd lost to, he was very high up, I think with Coca-Cola at, at the time but he lost everything because he wanted to move up the chain. And on that third marriage, he's like, you know, I, I'm not doing this. And he said, the company will only grow what 50 hours will take. And he says, I'm not losing this family. And so um, I took that to heart and I was like, man, you know, I'm, you know, got my own staffing company, got my own software company, but you know, I really guard that time. But, talk to some of the owners that are out there maybe struggling with that time management, family time, and just what would you say around that person? I think you're never going to look back at your life and you're like, man, I'm so glad I hit that revenue goal. I'm so glad I did these yeah. things versus man, look at the impact I had on my family and look at the impact I made on my kids and look at the way I made their life better. You know, I think sometimes it's, it's easier to, when I say that from the sidelines to be like, well, what's the guy talking about? Well, I can give a real, real world example. So my, Early my probably my second or third year of being number one at, at K Force, I remember going to my boss, and I said, uh, "I know that you guys love this, like the revenue, but I, I'm struggling." Yeah. And my son is three or two and a half, and he's going to bed at seven seven fifteen. I'm getting home at six fifty. Yep. I get twenty minutes with him a night. That's not worth it to me. Yeah. And. I mean, I, I was doing very well financially, Andy, but I was not my best version of me. Mm -hmm. And my boss at the time, Ange, God love her. She goes, Case, then leave it four. Um, and my, my initial response was, hey, we're in staffing. This isn't a bank. I can't leave it four. She's like, why can't you? I'm like, 
I don't, I don't know. She goes, we trust you. If you're available the whole way home, take the call. But when you get home, take two hours and be with your family. Yeah. We're, it's, it's, we're not going to go out of business in two hours at night. And it was the best advice. And I love giving that to younger leaders who I work with or I coach because if I was the quote unquote number one guy at our company by a pretty significant amount, if I could still take time and mm -hmm. be with my, my, my wife and my kids, I spent then after, you know, I, from five to seven, it was like family time. Seven to eight was me and Carrie time. And then afterwards I would like document, I'd get my email cleaned up. So I was ready for the next, next day. And when I did that consistently, Andy, and made the commitment yep. to not ever going back, my career just kept skyrocketing because I was the best version of me. And, and I think, not, you, you know, know, as competitive individuals, we put as much pressure on ourselves, not that necessarily our boss or manager, you know, does we're doing it to ourselves, you know, and that, um, and, and that's just hard. Sometimes when you feel like you're, you're falling behind if you're not, you know, there or watching, not with clock watching, but you know, I love that. I, I, you know, I just see so many people pour so much into the business and they, their family gets kind of, second fiddle and i think that's just a bad bad hole to go down yeah i mean i think they have to people got to have to ask that kind of that mirror look in the mirror moment themselves like what's most important to you or them but yeah. for me i do believe in balance i know some people don't i i, I was proof it, it could work um you know i think the the challenge we as humans face is the brain on average science says we have close to seventy thousand thoughts a day of those 70,000 thoughts, 80 to 90% are negative. Mm -hmm. So when we, we constantly are telling ourselves these stories or becoming the victim of our own story and then either keeping it inside and not talking about it, we just, we become our worst version of ourselves or we listen to the negative self-talk, get rid of it, find yep. things to be positive about, ask for help, be vulnerable. Don't be afraid to share with your team where you stink at something or where you need help. Because I think as we as leaders can can lead from the front and talk about where we we messed up or where we we weren't our best version of ourselves. Yep. It you kind of help a, a different um, growth journey of how people approach their work, yep. which allows you to delegate, allows you to be more strategic as a leader, and allows you to hopefully maybe focus on things that are most important, which is is your family. Yeah. Talk to me about change subject a little bit. Talk to me about win the relationship, not the deal, and. I love that. I mean, I, I, that, you know, even before I met you and talked to you, that is how I envision sales in one sentence. And I, and I, and I want to hear your thoughts around that because that is truly how sales should be. It is. And what's so funny is it's not at how so many people don't think about it that way. They think about it, you know, they're a transaction. How can I convince this person to buy from me? And it's like, you, you don't, they're going to convince themselves. Our job is to ask great questions, service them, set expectations. So how the title came to me, you ever seen Christmas Vacation? Mm -hmm. When when Griswold sees the tree? It, that's yeah. how the, that's when I, when I said this phrase, which I'll, I'll tell you in a second. So I was in Dallas training a, a group of folks on a, one of our larger accounts and I was traveling back and forth. And I remember talking to the, the younger group of gentlemen, I said, Boys, I expect you to win every deal, but you're not going to win every deal. I, I, so when we, when we lose a deal, how can we still win the person? Yep. And they looked at me like a blank stare. I said, think about it. We lose a staffing deal, let's say. And let's say, let's say you're the client, Andy. And I, and I follow up with you after we lose, maybe a week. And I say, hey, Andy, you know, thanks for the opportunity to compete. 
I'm bummed we weren't the one to get it done, but I wanted to make sure that you got everything you wanted from vendor A and I want to make sure you had a good experience. The number of times I would do that, I would either follow up before the vendor who beat us followed up and they were like blown away by it or B, they would say, Casey, thanks for following up. Actually, the person who was supposed to take the job, they're, they're no longer available. Is your person still available? And I would pick up easy deals yeah. just by following up. And so when I, when I use that example, I said, how can we win people when we lose? And, they, I get, and that's where I said, we have to win relationships, not deals. And right yeah. when I said it, it was like, that's it. Like I knew it in my whole heart, but I did not want to write the book when I was still at K-Force because I didn't want that to be a distraction for me. Um, and then when I left in 2019, I spent four months from nine to 1130 and wrote every single day. And I, I, the things I wrote about were the emotional, I would say the emotional intelligence type characteristics that we all have control over. Mm -hmm. And I thought like when I was producing at a high level at K-Force, how, why, what was I doing? And I wrote about six things. I wrote about the power of the golden rule, treating people well. Yep. I wrote about expectation management. I wrote about the difference between hearing and listening. Mm -hmm. I wrote about why a CRM made me look way smarter than I am. <laughs> I wrote about checking your ego and practicing on each other, not on our clients and winging it. And I wrote about the relationships take time and you have to be patient, but you also have to be persistent and persevere through the ups and downs. And so I wrote about those. I have stories not only from my own journey, but other from hundreds and hundreds of years ago, a guy named Orson Sweat Martin back in the 1800s. He, he was writing about humility and the power of the golden rule back in the 1800s. That's, you know, common sense. I, I said, it just, it's the golden rule. Just treat people like they want to just, but a lot of the things about sales is just, I mean, common sense. I mean, but it is something that is it's it's hard to, it's hard to get to. And, you know, I want people to be able to reach out to you. What, how, how is the best way for somebody to talk to you or reach out? I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if people want to find me there, that's, that's a great way. They can also visit my, my website, which is just kcjcox.com. So C-A-S-E-Y-J-A-C-O-X.com. There's links to my book, podcast. There's video of me speaking. Um, my coaching videos on there as well from client who's, clients who have worked with me. But I love connecting. And, and yeah. people will, will know that I love um, throwing boomerangs of service and connecting other people. That fills my tank more than anything. So if you reach out, watch out. I'm probably going to try to connect you with someone else. Well, the, you know, you are a blessing to our industry and I'm glad you are part of the staffing family. And I really appreciate you talking to me today and taking the time you're on the West coast. I'm on the East coast. So it's, um, it's been a pleasure. So thank you so much. And, um, if you want to reach out to Casey, I would encourage you to do that or just look into having a coach. I mean, I just would push someone just to take that leaps some way, somehow. Love it. Thanks, thanks again, Andy. All right. The Staffing Stories podcast is brought to you by 3DIQ, founded by recruiters for recruiters. 3DIQ's industry-leading product suite complements your submission process in Bullhorn from start to finish and helps you deliver a cutting-edge customer experience. Triple your placements with our powerful resume submission platform, candidate marketing, and client portal. Visit 3DIQ.com stories to learn more.